the way you honk your horn in the car, you're communicating with the people next to you in the cars, the person who just cut you off, to picking up your phone, talking on the phone, texting, sitting on your computer and sending that email, making that Facebook post, communication all over. We're constantly in communication with each other. And we don't always do it really well. And so this morning we're going to hear a verse from God about that. So take out your Bibles if you haven't already to to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. God has a, a verse for us to help us in our communication this morning. Here in Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul is talking about the unity in the body of Christ. He's talking about how to be the community of God together and the spiritual gifts that we all use and how to grow up together. Now, I want you to listen to these verses. We're going to read verses 14, 15, and 16. Verse 15 in the middle there being our verse for the morning. Paul writes this. He says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Hey, verse 15 there. Don't, don't forget those words of 15. I would guess that growing up, every single one of us was taught to tell the truth. Right? It's a basic. It's the Ten Commandments, right? You shall not lie. You need to tell the truth. Life is easier when you tell the truth, when honesty is the best policy. Right? If you start building a lie, you ever have it where, where you tell one little lie and you have to build another lie on top of that to cover it and pretty soon you have a whole stack of lies on top of each other and so your parents tell you, hopefully, honesty is the best policy. That Mark Twain and that whole stack of lies we've built, he, he writes this, he says, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Right? You don't have to remember all the lies. Honesty is the best policy. There's another phrase I would guess that you've heard through life that might make you pause before you tell the truth. Right? Honesty may be the best policy, but sometimes the truth hurts, doesn't it? Sometimes the truth is really painful. We've, my guess is all of us have experienced the pain that truth can inflict. And it's that hurt that often keeps us from speaking truth in the relationships that we have in life. We avoid truth with each other sometimes. We avoid truth with God. We've gotten pretty good at avoiding the truth, even with ourselves. Isn't it true that it's often easier, more pleasant to live life believing a lie rather than having to face the truth? You want a perfect example of that? They they did a study not that long ago, and and they surveyed pastors, preaching pastors like me. And they asked them to rate their own preaching. 90% of pastors rated their preaching as above average. Now, I'm no accountant, but that can't be true, right? Not everybody can be above average, but we deceive ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I'm better than most. Yeah, I'm above average because if I deceive myself into thinking that I'm above average, then I don't need to get any better, do I? I'm good enough. I don't have to work hard at improving. 
We all do that in life. It's easier and more comfortable to, to live a lie rather than face the truth. Right? If I simply believe that my marriage is perfect, then, then I don't need to work at it, right? If I believe that, that I've got my side of the marriage all put together, then, then it's just my wife's problems that need to be dealt with, right? Not me. And so it's easier to live that lie. If I convince myself that my children are always right, my children are never guilty of wrongdoing. It's always, you know, little Johnny who's a bad influence. It's other people's kids who pull my kid astray. Then I don't need to work out my parenting, right? Because my kid's perfect. If I convince myself that I'm always right and everybody who disagrees with me is wrong, then I don't need to change. I don't need to work at it. If I, if I focus on my good qualities long enough that I finally believe that, that I'm good enough, and I'm going to believe that God looks at me and says, yeah, that Tony Meyer, he's a good guy. He's got it together. I am impressed with him. And I don't need grace anymore. I don't need forgiveness anymore. Our capacity to live in denial is truly astounding if we are willing to admit it. That's why every single one of us needs to have truth tellers in our lives. Paul, in this passage in Ephesians 4, he labels recognizing and speaking truth with each other as one of the primary characteristics of, of a mature Christian. Right? It's, it's part of our sanctification process, he says. It's part of our growing up spiritually. Remember the first verse there, he says, growing up, we're no longer infants, we're no longer babies. Why? Partly because we now speak the truth to each other. I think Paul would agree, honesty is the best policy. But you and I don't always live that out too well in our daily lives, do we? I think we don't live it out well because we really like nice people. We, we, we put niceness on this pedestal above honesty. So we will nicely tell people that, that, they're, that they're, they're certain pants. Sure, they match. They look great when probably a little honesty might help their wardrobe a little bit, but we want to be nice, right? We nicely give, give kids passing grades even though they couldn't do the work because it's not nice not to pass them. We nicely give every single ASO soccer player a trophy at the end of the year and say, you were the greatest soccer player ever because it's not nice to tell them, you know what, you really were no good. Maybe, maybe soccer's not your sport. No, we have to be nice, we value niceness over honesty. And, and honestly, this community called the church, we, we're one of the most deception-filled communities around because we really like nice people. It's what Christians are supposed to be. We're supposed to be the nicest people on earth, right? So we can't confront somebody on their sin because that's not nice. And we can't respectfully disagree with each other and, and have difficult conversations on difficult issues because it's not nice, there's tension, and we might not always get along. And we can't challenge people too strongly on, on spiritual disciplines, you know, like giving and things like that, because we might offend them. It's not nice. Church leaders can't challenge people towards spiritual growth or help them evaluate their own spiritual health and point out places where they, where they might be weak because that's not nice. And so we learn in this community how to smile and be nice. 
Let's just not speak the full truth to each other. I think it's our desire for niceness that creates that greatest need that we have to have truth-tellers in our communities, truth-tellers in our lives. And yes, it's true. Sometimes truth hurts. That doesn't mean we don't need to hear it. We as Christians are called to be in relationships that are based on honesty. And sometimes that doesn't seem nice. You know, one of you, when I first became pastor here 13 years ago, we were in my office talking through a difficult situation I was facing. And you gave me a piece of advice that I remember now 13 years later. One of you said to me, he said, you can make the choice as a leader. You can be liked or you can be respected. You make that choice. If I want to be liked as a leader, then, then I simply say everything that people want to hear. I avoid the difficult conversation. I'm not going to speak the difficult truth to you because I want you to like me. If I want to be respected, then I'm going to lay the truth out there. You might not like it. You might not like me because of it. But I hope you respect me. Hey, be nice. Speak truth. In our conversations with each other and with God, we need to we need to begin to speak truth more often instead of avoiding it. We need to stop deceiving ourselves And you and I need to give people we trust permission to be truth-tellers in our lives. To have honest conversations with us. Because truth-tellers are people who dare to speak truth to us. To tell us things that, that we probably would rather not hear. And we need to also then learn how to be good truth-tellers to each other. The Bible. The Bible is full of people who are truth-tellers. Tellers who set aside their desire to be light, who set aside the temptation to be nice, and who speak the truth of God instead. But I'm going to read one of those stories. If you want to turn in the Old Testament to 2 Samuel 12 and read with me, you can. Otherwise, you can just listen in. I want to read a story from 2 Samuel 12 about a truth teller. It's, a, it's one of the most powerful examples, I think, that we have in Scripture. 2 Samuel 12, that whole section of Scripture is a story when when King David is king of Israel. He's at the high point in his career. And it's a story of his his sin with Bathsheba. Okay, here's, here's David. He's king. He's the most powerful man in the nation. Probably the most powerful man in all the known world there. He can get whatever he wants. And in these chapters, he ends up taking what he wants. He takes Bathsheba, this beautiful young lady who lives next door, who also happens to be married. When her husband Uriah won't go along with his plan to cover up this pregnancy that resulted, he takes Uriah's life as well. He takes Uriah's life so that he can take Bathsheba as his wife. And now this whole sordid event is behind him, right? He's married, his wife is pregnant, no one needs to know about his sin. David deceives himself here into believing that everything's okay. No one will ever know. He's still leading the nation, he's still the loved king, he's still reading God's word, he's still in the word together, he's still going to the temple to worship God, everything's okay. And the nice thing for the prophet Nathan to do for David, the nice thing would be to wink and nod. 
and say, okay, we got that past us. Now, David, don't do that again, but I won't tell anybody, but let's, let's move on. God doesn't let him do that. Nathan does the hard work of truth-telling. Listen to, Nate, to Nathan's confrontation of David in chapter 12. I'm going to read the first 13 verses, 2 Samuel 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food. It drank from his cup. It even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took that ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man, and he prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And Nathan said to David, You are that man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hands of Saul. I gave your master's house to you, and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and you took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan, Nathan wouldn't hide the truth. He wouldn't let David live in this lie that he had surrounded himself with. He was David's truth teller. That was the role of the prophets all throughout the Old Testament, wasn't it? They were truth tellers. To the nation of Israel, to, to the leaders of Israel, they were truth-tellers having difficult conversations. Right? For Nathan, it was, for David, it was Nathan. For Saul, it was Samuel who came and spoke truth to him. For, for the rebellious nation of Israel, it was Elijah and Elisha. You know, all the minor prophets were truth-tellers. Jesus himself was a truth-teller who confronted the sin and the rebellion of the people. Right? He confronted the Pharisees and the leaders of the law. He confronted the rich about the lies they had told themselves about their wealth. He confronted the immoral about, about the lies they had taught, to them, taught themselves about their sin. He, 
He confronted the religious snobs. He confronted the irreligious rebels. Jesus consistently spoke truth. Think, think about Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. On a hot summer afternoon, Jesus is sitting alone by the well in the middle of Samaria. He's thirsty, has no way to get water in the up. And along comes the Samaritan woman. Jews and Samaritans don't talk to each other. They don't get along. They would never share, share a cup to drink from. And Jesus asks her to draw water for him. This could have been the start of a really nice conversation. Right? Really nice conversation. Jesus doesn't stay with nice. Remember what he does? He speaks truth to her. He talks to her about, about deep spiritual things, about living water. Why? Because he knew that her soul was empty and she needed, she needed life within her soul. He could have easily avoided her messy sexual history. She's on husband number five now. He doesn't avoid it. He brings it up. He tells the truth because he knows that she's searching for something in men that you can only find in God. He speaks truth to her, the truth that she needs to hear. Moves beyond nice and speaks truth. You know, when you, when you look at truth-telling throughout Scripture, when you look at Jesus' truth-telling, you'll see that it comes at a cost. There is a price that he pays. Along with, with all the Old Testament prophets who spoke truth, along with the disciples who followed who spoke truth, Jesus shows that truth-telling is dangerous. And isn't it his honest confrontation of sin that earned him his enemies, that brought him to the cross? It's the honest confrontation that the prophets, prophets did against the kings, against the nation, that, that got most of them thrown into prison and executed. It's the honest confrontations that the disciples spread all around the world doing, telling people that they needed to know Jesus, they were lost without him, that got most of them martyred. All these truth-tellers refused to turn a blind eye towards sin. They refused to allow deception to remain. They refused to take the easy road and the safe road. They refused to not rock the boat. They refuse to choose nice over honest, and they pay a price for it. They refuse to live the lie. And we need to refuse that too. God doesn't command you and I to be nice. Here's your invitation. This afternoon, take out your Bible. If you want to pull it out on your iPhone, there's an app for that, right? Look for the command where... where Jesus says, I want you to be nice. You can search for hours. You're not going to find it. There is no command that says, as a follower of Jesus Christ, be nice. It's not there. Zero times you'll find that word. Instead, he commands us to be honest, to be truth tellers. He commands us, first of all, to be honest with ourselves. Stop deceiving ourselves. Don't live in self-denial about who we are and our need for our Savior and the growth that we need to have. And then be honest with each other. Refuse to allow our brothers and sisters to live in self-denial as well. And be honest with him. He knows us anyways. He knows the truth already. Let's be honest. Honesty is the best policy. But that's only half the command here this morning. 
Okay? If you miss the other half, you miss the whole thing. See, God not only commands us to speak truth, but he commands us to speak the truth in love. And we cannot miss that piece. Because if our motivation for speaking truth is not love, then we are not being obedient to God. If our motivation for speaking truth is not love, then the sin becomes ours. Hear that again. If our motivation is not love, then we sin, even when we speak truth. I can't say it better than what John Ortberg did. I put the quote in your outline. He wrote this. He said, there's a kind of person who speaks truth recreationally, but does it without love. Such a person blasts away and passes judgment in a spirit of arrogance and superiority, which they cover up by saying, I'm a prophet. Okay, that kind of blasting away with truth is sin. And it's a sin that we all fall into. Because there's, there's kind of a twisted pleasure, isn't there, that comes from pointing out other people's, other people's shortcomings, other people's sins. We boost ourselves by pointing out theirs. There's a, some kind of twisted joy that comes from the superior, superiority we feel while passing judgment on somebody else. We may be speaking the truth, but if that truth is not motivated by love, then it's our sin. So before you eagerly walk out of here and take on the mantle as truth teller, I'm going to be the truth teller in my family, in my office. Before you take on the mantle as a truth telling prophet, listen to John Ortberg one more time. He says this, he says, there's a very important theological distinction between being a prophet and being a jerk. What burns deeply in the heart of a true prophet is not just anger, but love. Love must be burning deeply in your heart. Love, wanting what is best for that person, must be the driving force behind your truth-telling. I think we all know people in our past, who have gotten this distinction between being a prophet and being a jerk wrong. They've hurt us deeply, right? We know people who are truth-tellers, but whose words are empty of love. They think they're speaking for God, but they have none of God's love. And their truth-telling hurts more than it helps. We most likely not only know those people, we most likely could all raise our hands and say, I've been that person. I've done that too. If your motivation for truth telling is not love, then don't speak yet. Don't avoid the truth, but first work right here in your own heart to make sure that your heart is set right, to make sure that your motivations are godly, to make sure you're speaking the truth in love. Right? And, Followers of Jesus Christ, there's nowhere in this book that we're commanded to be nice. But at the very heart of this book and all throughout this book, we are commanded to love. And there's a difference, right? There's a difference between being nice and being loving. Being nice avoids truth-telling. Love speaks truth in love. Being nice refuses to rock the boat, right? It's too dangerous. Let's just keep things the way they are. We can live in this lie. That's just fine. 
But love dares make an honest call for change when our lives and our relationships and our society aren't as God designed them to be. Nice will avoid any conflict. Love dares to confront. Nice is what this world wants us to be. Loving is what God wants us to be. So if we are going to become individuals in a community of truth-tellers, as we're called to be, then it's also just as important that we also learn how to be truth-hearers as well. And that can be just as difficult, can't it? Right? Nathan, Nathan, 2 Samuel 12, spoke the truth to David. And David had a choice of what to do with that truth, didn't he? David easily could have ignored what Nathan had to say. He could have kept this self-deception, kept this lie surrounding him. Shoot, David was the most, most powerful man in the world. He could have snapped his fingers and Nathan would have disappeared. And, and what he revealed was gone and the lie can stay. I can keep living in this lie. I can ignore the truth that's spoken to me. It's not what he did, is it? As painful as it was for David, he knew it was the truth. And he knew it's what he needed to hear, even though he didn't want to. And so he humbly accepted that truth spoken in love from his truth teller, his Nathan. That's hard, isn't it? That's hard for us to do. None of us likes to be confronted. None of us like to be corrected. We like to be right. And so when someone comes and tells us otherwise, when someone comes and says, hey, something's messed up, hey, something's not right here, our first response is often anger, maybe defensiveness. We might even go so far as to, to dismiss their words. Ignore them. Maybe even dismiss that friendship. Friendships have been broken over truth spoken in love because the, because the person didn't want to hear it. Our pride, our pride rises up and becomes this barrier from hearing the truth that we really need to hear. Honest communication takes significant prayer. It takes significant discernment. It takes significant work. This is not easy. As truth tellers, we must discern our motivations, first of all. We need to check our hearts. Are we speaking truth motivated by love? And as truth hearers, we must learn to set aside our pride and honestly discern, first of all, is this truth? Is it truth spoken in love? And is it what I need to hear? Are we willing to listen? Again, I'm not going to lie to you. These kind of conversations are not easy. They are frightening. They are dangerous. They are risky. They take a relationship of courage and trust. And they're conversations that happen only in true community where we care more about being loving than we do just about being nice. They're conversations that you and I need to learn how to have with people we love, with our children, with our grandchildren, with our parents, with our spouses, with our friends, with our life group members here at church. 
So I invite you this morning to, to take a look at your own relationships. Who is your Nathan? Do you have a truth teller in your life? Who's your truth teller? Is there someone you've given permission to speak truth to your life? To say, even if it's hard, I want you. I trust you. Because I know you love me. I want you to speak truth to me. Or have you walled everybody away? Who's your truth teller? And who do you love enough that you will be their truth teller for them? Honest communication. Truth spoken in love. is one of the most powerful and loving gifts that God has given us to share with the ones we love. And yet, no, this kind of communication is really, really hard. So there's a verse for that. There's a verse for learning and being reminded of how we need to learn to talk to each other. Ephesians 4.15. Speaking truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. Would you pray with me? Truth-telling God, thank you for not allowing us to live in a lie, for not allowing us to deceive ourselves. But thank you for out of your great love for us, speaking truth to us. Give us the courage, first of all, Father, to hear your truth spoken to our lives. Don't let us deceive ourselves to think that we don't need you. Don't let us deceive ourselves with the lie that we can make it through life on our own. Don't let us deceive ourselves with the lie that, that we're good enough. That grace, yeah, we'll take a little bit, but we don't need that much. Father, speak truth to us about our desperate need for you. Speak truth to us about your great love that sent your son to die for us and rise again. Speak truth to us, reminding us that it's nothing we've done, but it's everything that you have done. May we be truth tellers with you, God. And Father, help us to learn how to have crucial conversations with the people you've placed into our lives. Check the motivations of our hearts. May we be people who truly love each other and want what's best for each other. Help us to know how to speak truth in love. Help us to know how to hear truth in love. So that together we may grow up to be the people you designed us to be. To be the community you designed us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? If we learn to speak truth in love, if we become those kind of individuals in that kind of community, this world is going to see, is going to see lives transformed. A community that's...